Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today. Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith. I'm joined by James, and we are working through the book of Revelation, and today we have a lot to talk about, James. How's it going? Good. Very well, thanks, Keith. Just had a very, very nice coffee. Yeah, good coffee, good fun, good fellowship. Love hanging out with James and talking about the Bible. So to jump into it today while James is taking a picture of a plant. Um, no, I'm taking a picture of the coffee cup. Oh, the coffee cup. Through the plant. But through the plant. Very, very stylistic. Uh, I'm going to kick us off today, James, and read. We're in Revelation 12. And so today we'll work through verses 1 through 6. Revelation 12, 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them down to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days." Wow. I think passages like this are why people read Revelation and think, what on earth is going on? Right, because you're living your life and you're thinking, I need that Instagrammable moment today, and here I'm reading about a diadem. (laughs) Like the coffee cup through. So what verse are you going to put on there, James? Uh, I could do all things through Christ. Yeah. I was just going to say Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, like plans for nice coffee. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Future. Oh my gosh, that's just driving me mad. But uh, yeah, people read passages like this. You know, we've been there's a kind of a narrative been going on, and this happens, and then this happens, and this happens, and then you get to chapter twelve, and it's almost like, all right, let's pause the somewhat understandable narrative of Revelation and just like get all cosmic and yeah. Our our big boy Roman, who's five at the moment, loves this because yes. it's dragons and there's Michael and it's all Lego characters. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's it's. I think tomorrow at uh, church we're in Daniel chapter six, and that's the same. Like people love those big exciting stories as such, but you can see why people read the Revelation and you think, okay, this means it, and then you get to this bit and it's like, all right, good. Now there's pregnant ladies uh, who are clothed in the sun and she's about to give birth and there's a big red dragon who wants to eat her baby and you're like, oh my gosh. Like his tail is knocking down stars out of the sky. You think you can see why people get to passages like this. <laughs> Just say so it can't be literal. Yeah, you can't take this. It has to be about God loving people. That's what it's about. Yeah. Let's just let's just kind of swipe away all the characters and just say God loves his people. Like, I mean, that's, that's unfortunately what a lot of people, not maybe quite that extreme, but a lot of people 
read the Bible, read God's word, and they assume without cross-referencing, which is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. I mentioned before we should have a little bell. We talk about cross-referencing. But they, they look at a passage and they assume that it's talking about something sort of mystic and not something literal that a guy saw in a vision, which we know to be John on the island of Patmos. So um, here we are, James. So in this passage, in my opinion, James, and maybe you agree or not agree, I would feel like the best thing to do to start is just to kind of identify who we're talking about here. So we got some characters mm, here, right? Yeah, I think fractionally before that, okay. it kind of looks and feels like the whole of chapter 12 is just something else that John saw. Like a parenthesis? Yeah. Yeah, like at the end of chapter 11... The seventh trumpet's blown, and then at the start of chapter thirteen, there's you know they're onto like beasts and stuff's right. really progressing. Whereas chapter twelve seems like, or kind of feels like, a little episode in addition to that. And then like as you just read, the fourth word in my Bible of chapter twelve is "and a great sign appeared in heaven," and there's lots of. It's very symbolic, isn't it? It's another sign appeared in heaven. Right. So it's, yeah, you can take it literally, but like you said, the, or like, I think like you're about to say, women clothed with suns, stars, dragons, babies. I think they're characters, they're signs representing other people. It's, right. it's some episode that John has seen, right. but it points to something else isn't it and it's not it's not a street art graffiti from you know downtown los angeles uh it is you know you know you you walk down the street and you see this psychedelic thing and it's got stuff similar to the scene and so that's what goes into your mind if you've not got a context to put it in but you kind of have to step back from our reality because again mm. this is the word of god so we're coming to it rather than it coming to us right that would kind of be the difference between isogetical and exegetical exegetical is letting it come to us we're sorry exegetical would be us going to it and taking out taking out from it and making our reality like it that's kind of like uh the passage in the new testament that says don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit so it's by the spirit of god and his word and the testimony that we understand who he is not by just our random experience that is devoid of god's word Right. So I've listened to a worship song. So maybe I understand who God is. If it doesn't contain scripture, then you don't. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, it might be a great tune. It might be catchy. Mm. But if it doesn't have God's word in it, that's where the center point is. And so I think aligning ourselves with this and understanding it from this perspective is a good way to start. So, James, if you want, let's do kind of like a little game show. I'll call out the characters and you kind of unpack them. Oh my them gosh! For us. Okay. Because <laughs> you actually in the uh, the the blog that we reference a lot, the book that's coming out, yes. we you you actually break down all the characters, and so I did write that a few a couple of years ago now. Yes. So I'll apologize if it's really wrong. Have you updated it? Is there a version it's two? It's with or? an editor, and she's but if she's not updating the but content, she's very scriptural. So she read something and said, "Hang on a minute, hey." She's got quite a lot of, I mean, she's a mutual friend, so you know she's very scripturally grounded. Right, right. She's, she's a very good editor, yeah. and I wrote this a few years ago, so it's not, it's not my best uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of writing. So she's fixing grammar and the like, because it was a few years ago. Right. I think if there was any content, she would have, she would, 
you and you know yeah look, she'd call certainly me out if it was certainly, ridiculous certainly, certainly she's not you know away with the fairies and well on this particular passage all right game if, if you if you uh look at any other you know good exegetical commentary i believe that you're right there with the pack james so it's not like you're really far out we'll see so right, okay. okay all right so number one uh we've got a woman clothed with sun with a moon under her feet uh, who could that be nation of israel god's people god's chosen covenantal folk now why is that <laughs> <laughs> because the note in my Bible says so. <laughs> that I wrote about five years ago. So if you buy no, the Bi- yeah, right Bible, then you're good to go. Yeah. Well, it'd have to be the Bi- this particular Bible that I've written in. But uh, now Genesis 30... What did my note say? Genesis 37... 9 through 11. 9 through 11. So you've obviously looked at my Bible as well. Uh, Joseph's dreaming and he... Uh, Behold, I dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars are bind down to me. So it's this imagery of God's chosen people, family, nation of Israel, Israelites, sons of Jacob, uh, as sun, moon, stars. Because um, this woman clothed with sun, with the moon under her feet, crown of 12 stars, uh, 12 tribe uh, yeah i think it's a cumulative case for piecing things together and john was immersed in scripture in this kind of world so if he sees um a figure radiant like the sun um kind of in a very dominant position with 12 stars or 12 somethings he's gonna think like that because that's the world and the culture and the context that you grew up in so for me it's a woman clothed with sun is israel god's covenantal people and you didn't mention the 12 stars i mean 12 tribes of of israel right hmm i think i just did no did oh, i did you just say I that oh yeah <laughs> you're making me i thought i did oh, okay so maybe you did and i i missed it but i mean that's another indicator to me is the 12 yeah, yeah. And then, you know, James, I think a lot of times in our modern world, it's 2020, we look at scripture and we kind of read everything with our understanding, not knowing that God is a big God and has a big plan. And from the beginning of time, had his own people called the nation of Israel that he brought out of Egypt. There are still things done in Israel today to celebrate those events. Uh, There's still Passover today. Uh, in Israel. There's still mm. things that are celebrated. Now, uh, sometimes it's done without understanding the Messiah, which is the main point. But, but I think what I'm trying to say is these, there's some big events that point to Christ. And without understanding the whole counsel of God's word, without looking back to, say, Genesis 37, it's hard to understand the story of redemption because, man, Jacob's story is just wonderful. Story of mm-hmm. redemption. The whole Old Testament is filled with redemptive story so Mm -hmm. yeah okay so moving on we have a great dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven diadems and if you're not age five it might freak you out a little bit to read that (laughs) true uh so a great red dragon seven heads ten horns seven diadems i would look a little bit further down into verse nine that says the great dragon was thrown down the ancient serpent who is called the devil and satan yes i would put the great red dragon as uh, the accuser, the enemy, all, all those different names that the Bible gives him right. as the, the devil, Satan. Uh, you know, it's interesting, James. Uh, I think I've referred to this 
quite a while back on this podcast, but the book, The Screwtape Letters, is a fascinating book to me because we often think of Satan, anybody just in pop culture thinks of Satan like this. But rarely do we look at Satan as the tempter that is beautiful and lovely and has the ability to influence us in a horribly negative way. Um, and the influence of Satan can happen to both people who are believers as well as not believers. So just because I believe in Jesus doesn't mean I'm immune to the influence that Satan could give me mm. if I choose to not fill myself with things above, like Colossians 3 says. Mm. If I watch Netflix after Netflix after Netflix and just bad stuff, then what's going to come out of me is bad stuff, right? I'm not going to have that good input. So Satan Satan can be beautiful and lovely as well as a horrible-looking dragon. So can Netflix, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, right. Depend- right, <laughs> it right. depends what you choose. I don't right. think I've ever read Screwtip Letters. There's a copy up there. Oh, you've got to read it, James. It is just wonderful. There's also a great book that I'll just throw a plug for called Satan by Lewis Berry Chafer. It's quite an older book, just like Screwtape Letters, so it's not written in modern English. You have to, mm. you have to kind of think about each sentence you, don't want you read. To read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's really it's that the thought patterns are very deep and very mm, okay. good to understand. I would recommend that all believers try to study who Satan is because the Bible says he's a roaring lion looking to devour mm. you. So if you've got an enemy like that prowling around looking to devour you, it's good to kind of understand who he is a little bit, I think. Yeah, maybe put it on my list. I'm in the middle of a book called Paul, A Biography by N.T. Wright, which is very good. I saw that plug in your video this week. Mm, it's good. Well, people should, because yeah, yeah. otherwise you look at the stuff that he writes and you get this picture of him as kind of cantankerous and odd and weird and a bit miserable without any friends. By uh, the way, James... Whilst we're talking about Paul, I just have to say, I was in Damascus, Syria one time with my wife and my kids, and the place, the, the old city is kind of a big walled city, like you would imagine an old city. Mm. And in the very back of the city, there's currently a church there, but it was the exact location that they kind of let him down as he was ah, trying to escape. Okay. And I could just imagine in my mind's eye, this guy's trying to get out of town, and this is located on the corner of the town of the old Damascus. So I was just thinking like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Mm, that you can go to these places. It's like an action yeah, yeah. movie, you know. He was literally let down, mm. got on the horse or whatever, and escaped the people that were in the city. So mm, No way. It's, it's actually there still. Yeah. So No, it's good because if you don't know who he is and what made him tick and what he thought, right? somebody needs to take the time to piece it all together. Right. What he was doing, where he was, how that made him think and feel, what his upbringing and all that. So it helps you understand stuff that he wrote absolutely and it helps you do understand what he meant and what he didn't mean yeah that's one of the really important things yeah so there's that and then underneath it is a copy of orthodoxy by gk chesterton which is on my list good so you'll have to add these books about satan on your list yeah probably should and i believe to anyone who's listening the book uh, satan by lewis berry schaefer i believe is uh what do you call it it's Public free domain. public domain because it's the is age it really? of it so if there's a there's a website this is kind of another free plug but it's called gutenberg press so oh, there's yeah, lots yeah. of free resources on there in epub format kindle format whatever format you like and you can just download them and for free oh very cool all right so moving on we we have uh, a quite a description of satan yep. but then jumping back to the woman james it does indicate that she was pregnant mm. and so uh 
we jump down to verse four, verse five, and it, sorry, verse five, and it says she gave birth to a male child. So yes, yeah, so from the family and the nation of God's people comes a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. I think that's quite a simple conclusion. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there are Bible commentators and theologians who have differed for whatever reason or another. You know, I heard somebody say yesterday, and I made a note of it, of a voice note of it while I was driving, hands-free, obviously. Uh, I made a note. A <laughs> Thanks reminder. for your confession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> made a note, a reminder for a class that we're going to start next week. But um, the point was that this guy said you can find scholars and PhDs and people with far too much academic work and too many letters after their name uh, to not tell the truth. But he said you can find anybody who's said anything at the moment. Yeah. And he used the example that like he asks one of his undergraduate classes to go off and find people with a PhD in an academic subject who have come out and said they don't think the Holocaust was a real thing. Yeah. And you can you can find PhD people, academics, who won't look at verifiable history and affirm that it happened. Anyway, sorry, a bit of a diversion. All that to say, yeah, I completely agree. You could probably find somebody who doesn't think this is Jesus the Messiah. Yeah. The Christ. But just because somebody's come out and said it doesn't actually mean that it's true. Case in point, you can sure. find academics who will say that so the Holocaust, the Holocaust didn't, happen. didn't happen. So, James, uh, the way I've always understood it, as far as verifying whether the Holocaust is real, verifying whether or not this scripture is real, is taking the evidence and weighing the evidence. And I think overwhelmingly, the verification of the veracity of scripture or Ooh. of whatever point there is. It's all about weighing the evidence. And so whether it's this point here, Christ being the male child, well, what other choice do you have? Yeah, what's the uh, What other scripture can yeah. you compare that with? With the Holocaust being real or not, well, just watch the actual footage from the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. You can pull up and watch that. What do you call that? If that's not the Holocaust, what is it? So mm-hmm. I think for anything to be reasonable, we live in a world nowadays where people can go on social media or primarily YouTube and kind of say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But the question is, what's the evidence? And if mm-hmm. the evidence doesn't back up their claim then really they're just a babbling idiot. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be, to be frank, if, if you just kind of go out and just say whatever you like, then there's nothing really to back it up. And that's, that's mm-hmm. why it's great to kind of read the books that we talked about, the resources, or read the scripture, and look at the evidence on what it is. Mm. I know we kind of went astray there with yeah, a bit talking. Of a tangent, but no, I think, yeah, uh, in terms of the game show, who are the, you know, who's who? Guess who? Uh, male child for me is, uh, is Jesus, is the Messiah, is this... Um, coming out of the family of God's people, out of the nation of Israel, out of the, his covenantal people, who's going to come, is going to rule uh, with a rod of iron, who's going to rule absolutely and straightly and justly and properly. Uh, but this child was caught up to God, so this child like evaded uh, death. So there's the dragon stood for the woman to basically wait until this child appears to kill him and you think about you think back to the time of Jesus' birth and Herod you know go off and find all these little boys two and under and he's whisked off to Egypt uh, through a providential 
That's just a phenomenal dream. story. Yeah. If you, we just park right there and talk for three hours, we could. can you imagine that the ruler of the day at that time in that part of the world said, right, I want all male children to be mm. killed. Yep. And somehow he survives that. Yeah. Same with Moses. What the providence of God. Yeah. talked about Exodus yeah. chapter one this week on our midweek like Old Testament teaching. Same thing. You know, look, um, there's too many of you. So rather than incorporate you into our nation and make our nation stronger and more diverse and more beautiful, what we'll do is all the boys that are born will kill them. And it's the same. And the parallel between Moses and Jesus is, uh, is very strong. You know, yep. James, uh, when Moses was standing at that bush and he saw the fire bush caught on fire and he's thinking, whoa, what's going on? Take off your shoes. Someone holy ground. He says, no, I can't go back to Egypt. You don't understand. I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the best this, whatever his reasoning was. You know, from our looking at it and the, the, the back view, the rear view mirror, you kind of look at the whole context and go like, uh, Moses, do you not remember that you survived miraculously mm -hmm. and was raised in the palace whereby mm. they were trying to get rid of the Hebrews? Look how providential your life has been. Mm -hmm. But I think with that, not only from this scripture and that scripture, and I've said this a lot, that it's it really builds my faith when I see that because that's the God we serve. Mm -hmm. That's the God who's miraculously saved our life from whatever, you, you know, wherever context your life has been and where you at when you met Jesus. Uh, what a phenomenal God to serve, knowing that he... Uh, stands for us. Well, James, now that we've identified the, uh, the characters, I know that there is a lot going on here. And then there's a lot as we go through the uh, upcoming podcasts and talk about the rest of what's mm. happening here. But uh, what other comments do you have? Do you um, <laughs> not a great deal, really. I think um, a lot of people would look at the 1,260 days has been, is it three and a half years? Which is half of a seven year tribulation, three and a half years. I think I've often heard it referred to as the great tribulation. Right. And there's points that you could, 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 could make there. Uh, but without really going down too many like rabbit trails and whatnot, I think this, Chapter 12, verses 1 to 6, really, like you said, it's, it's who's who and what's what. And, well, no, sorry, it's just who's who, isn't it? Like, this is going on, and so I'm just rambling now. No. <laughs> you know, I think, James, as, as our podcast is not uh, in-depth today with the most amazing takeaway, uh, well, obviously, there's a, there's a major takeaway that the God that we serve is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, Jesus Christ, the revelation, the end, the hero of the story, that's the God we serve. Uh, the battle's already won. And if you serve that Jesus, then the battle's won for your soul, as well as the happiness you have of victory over sin. But with that being said, we kind of set up today what we're going to be talking about as we progress through the rest of the chapter. But um, I think it's a great study today, James, to be able to just, when you're reading scripture, as you're making a habit of going through the Bible, rather than being really dismayed at, whoa, there's a dragon, <laughs> you know, to take a moment and just identify the characters and say, who could this be and who couldn't it be? Like, for example, mm. you're reading, 
obviously the dragon is not Jesus, right? So mm. when you're reading along, you just have to make some obvious conclusions and then just kind of look at scripture because oftentimes most Bibles come with cross references whereby you can look at that passage in Genesis 37 and go, oh, okay, I see there's a parallel here. And then you can understand that the Bible kind of reinforces the Bible, which uh, makes it more trustworthy. I think like you said, it's a really important thing to be able to look at the Bible, to look at scripture and to think who is this and what's going on and Part of that, one of the tools you would use is who, who uh, to find out who things could be and are, is to think who, who, who couldn't they be. Yeah. You know, like you look at, oh, okay, so you've got somebody clothed with sun and the moon's under their feet and they've got a crown of 12 stars. You think, ooh, you know, that, you know, that could be Jesus. But actually, it's, this is a lady and she's pregnant. So it's, it's, it's obvious. It's not Jesus. And then from this lady comes a male child. So it's, it is quite clear. It's not. And then I saw a person clothed in sun with the moon under their feet and on the head of this person. You know, it's, it's not ambiguous. It's very clear. Right. Well, James, as we finish our podcast today, I'm just going to throw out something that actually you wrote, believe it or not. You said, our God is everywhere, knows all, sees all, has power over all, and works everything to our ultimate good, our salvation in Christ. Poet Robert Burns wrote, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Our accuser will lay plans against us, and when he sees we are living for the Lord, they will all be well laid plans. But we are to take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world and everything in it, including the best laid plans of mice, men, and dragons. Did I write that? Yeah. (laughs) It's great. So that's that's a wonder that's a wonderful end to the podcast. We can trust Jesus uh, and not be concerned about the enemy. Best laid plans, aren't they? If you're talking about somebody who's powerful enough to bring down a third of the stars in heaven, there will be good laid plans. There will be the the, you know the best laid plans. But yeah, like like you just said, when you're living, you look at the protection that's afforded this child. Yeah, and the provision that's given to this child and whatnot but um man what a great what a great quick passage today a lot of packed characters and a lot of stuff packed into this but what a great uh reminder that we serve a god who has already overcome and will overcome all the sins that we struggle with in our life amen have a great week we'll see you next time on the immerse podcast